Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, God. Mr. President, we have a national emergency. This is one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, Normally, you can't do that. All of a sudden, these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening, and there where I saw Jesus Christ. Back in 1927, an American socialist, Norman Thomas, six times candidate for president on the Socialist Party ticket, said the American people would never vote for socialism. But he said under the name of liberalism, the American people will adopt every fragment of the socialist program. James Madison, 1788, speaking to the Virginia Convention, said, Since the general civilization of mankind, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachment of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. Broadcasting live from a secret location buried deep below the earth, you're about to make a connection to the signs of the times. W. Dean Shook is live on the air right now. Welcome in to End Time News. I am your host, W. Dean Shook, and I am proud and privileged to be able to bring you the news the mainstream media is never going to touch. I am happy to do that. Let me say welcome to all of our listeners on the iHeartRadio Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, the Spreaker Radio Network, and all of our regular broadcast affiliates across this country. Thank you for being here. I appreciate all of you. We're going to start out the program today with a celebration in the White House. According to Arutz Shiva, the White House is celebrating Jerusalem, not Israel. It's a ruling that the White House on Tuesday relished that the U.S. Supreme Court ruling the day before, which said U.S. President Barack Obama is striking down a congressional law calling the Jerusalem recognized as part of Israel on American passports. White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest said in a statement, We welcome the Supreme Court's important decision yesterday in Zatowski v. Kerry, which reaffirms the long-established authority of the president to recognize foreign states, their governments, and their territorial boundaries. Celebrating the powers that are granted to the president by the ruling, he added, the court's decision upholds the president's long-standing authority to make these sensitive recognition determinations as part of his conduct on diplomacy and foreign policy. While the 3,000-year-old capital of the Jewish people has not been recognized as being the sovereign territory of Israel by U.S. presidents since being liberated by the Jewish state in 1967 during the Six-Day War. Likewise, the American embassy is still located in Tel Aviv. Now, according to Ernest, 
The Supreme Court decision confirms that the president's recognition determination should be accurately reflected in official documents, sensitive diplomatic communications, including passports. The Obama administration, like the administration of former President George W. Bush, has opposed the congressional law, which was passed in 2002, and called for U.S. passports of citizens born in Jerusalem to list their birth country as Israel, saying by recognizing Jerusalem as part of Israel, we'll lose credibility in peace talks. Area Naomi Zatovsky, the parents who years ago filed the case for the Supreme Court, told Arush Shiva on Tuesday, We expected the courts in the United States to be about more than politics. Perhaps the results show that the assumption is not correct. But we thought the legal system was unrelated to the political system. They added, A passport is just a symbol of the central problem here, which is very large. Do the United States not recognize the sovereignty of the state of Israel over any part of Jerusalem? Actually, that ruling should read, President Obama's not recognizing Israel's sovereignty. I think the rest of us do. And according to Fox News, Army refuses to provide an honor guard for a church's 4th of July celebration. For nearly two decades, the U.S. Army has provided an honor guard for an Independence Day celebration at a Baptist church that predates the founding of the nation. But this year... The tradition has come to an end. Officials at Fort Gordon say they'll not be able to send an honor guard to the July 5th service at Abilene Baptist Church because it violates a military policy banning any involvement in a religious service. While there are conditions under which the Army can participate in events conducted at a house of worship, we cannot participate in the context of a religious service this according to Public Affairs Officer J.C. Matthew. He said officials at Fort Gordon, as well as the Office of the Staff of Judge Advocate, reviewed the church's request and determined they were, in fact, holding a religious service. As a result, the Army is not permitted to take part, Matthew said. So this is what we've come to in our nation. While the Pentagon won't allow an honor guard to set foot in a church, they have no problem allowing them to march in a gay pride parade. Last year, the Department of Defense gave permission for an honor guard to participate in Washington, D.C.'s gay pride parade, a historic first. An honor guard is also expected to march in the 2015 Capitol Pride Parade. So if a military honor guard can celebrate gay pride in a public parade, why can't they celebrate American pride inside a Baptist church? This speaks directly to our Commander-in-Chief. And speaking of powers of our Commander-in-Chief, there's a growing body of law that allows prosecution of foreign citizens on U.S. soil. Let me tell you this story. Arrested in Dabouti, while he was en route to Yemen from Somalia, far from his home in Britain, Mahdi Hashi was baffled to find himself jailed in Manhattan. He admitted to prison officials that he was a member of Al-Shabaab, the Somali militant group but he did not understand why he'd been brought to the United States to stand trial, he said, according to the court documents. Recently, the world of soccer was roiled by a similar surprise late last month, head snapping from Italy to Argentina, when Attorney General Loretta Lynch announced that Brooklyn prosecutors had indicted FIFA officials from the other side of the globe on corruption charges. 
using a growing body of laws that allows the United States to prosecute foreign citizens for some actions. The government has been turning the federal courts into an international law enforcement arena. The broadening of a key law in 2004, the splintering of terrorist groups, and a shift away from the military detention has led the United States to bring more foreigners onto its soil, some with only a tenuous link to the United States. Perhaps no federal prosecutor was more aggressive about expanding her office's global reach than Miss Lynch, when she was the United States Attorney General in Brooklyn, and the FIFA arrests suggest that now she leads the Justice Department overseas cases are likely to become more of a priority. And it's interesting, in the FIFA case, prosecutors chose not to invoke extraterritorial jurisdiction. Instead, they relied on the defendant's use of American banks and American locations to conduct meetings as the basis for charging them in federal court. In the terrorism prosecutions, United States courts are trying people who were not targeting the United States, are not from the United States, and before their court cases had never set foot in the United States. In these cases, prosecutors say the country extraditing and otherwise handing over custody of defendants is, by definition, choosing to cooperate with the United States. And the United States has become the jailer, the military front, and now the prosecutor of global crimes, particularly terrorism. This according to Karen J. Greenberg, director of the Center of National Security at Fordham University Law School. And I want to touch on... An abortion issue. According to WND, there's over 200 million women missing. The abortion of girls in favor of sons under the Chinese government's one-child policy is known to have cost millions of lives. The full impact of the policy is yet to be seen. India also has a problem with girls, as many are aborted because of the financial obligation of the cultural dowry practice. Now, the United Nations is recognizing that some 200 million women and girls are demographically missing worldwide. The Geneva Center for the Democratic Control of Armed Forces said in its Women in an Insecure World, Violence Against Women Facts, Figures and Analysis report that the emphasis hides one of the most shocking crimes against humanity. And it's not going to fix itself, according to the Reggie Littlejohn, president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, whose group battles the Chinese one-child policy. Said it's not going to go away. She told WND on Monday it's going to get worse. The ripples of the anti-girl policy and practice will be felt for generations, she said. In China... There are whole villages of bare branches, said Little John, describing the problem of men who will never marry, never have a family, because of the gender imbalance. What worries me is there are 37 million frustrated marriage-age, military-age men in China, she said. Coincidentally, she said the number of men in India who will never marry is about the same, 37 million. Already, the problem is manifesting itself with the human trafficking and sexual slavery, she said. She provided statistics to WND that shows the extent of the problem. In China alone, under its one-child policy, 
336 million women have been aborted and 195 million have been sterilized. They will never be mothers, costing future generations, she said. The pressure for boy babies is so intense that Live Action News, an American pro-life organization, reported this week a woman who already had daughters confessed to aborting the next 18 children she had because they were all girls. One of the group that fights genocide, the Genocide Awareness Project, reported that genocide also is being reported in Vietnam, Singapore, Taiwan, Bangladesh, Nepal, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkey, Syria, Iran, Armenia, Georgia, Albania, Romania, Kosovo, Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, and most countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Estimates of the number of women lost varies widely. The Nobel Prize-winning economist Amartya put the number at 100 million in 2000. In 2011, the UN World Population Fund estimated it was 117 million. My goodness. Abortion is a worldwide genocide. Which raises the question, how long is God going to tolerate this? Well, revealed by Breitbart News, the secret immigration chapter in Obama's trade agreement. We've got a few stories on the trade agreement here that's uh, all connected. There's a lot of news out there about the trade agreement, but not all of it is um, necessarily put together in a way that everybody can understand it. So what I've done is some research and brought up these stories about this uh, trade agreement. And we're going to cover about three or four of those, and hopefully it'll put it into context so that everybody can get a full picture of exactly what this is. I'm going to take a short break first, uh, but when we come back, we're going to cover this trade agreement from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, stay with me. Uh, we'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to End Time News. Federal government and police departments are using drones for everything. Drones are expensive. They're hard to fly. It can take up to a week just to learn to make a drone hover. Not anymore. There's a new generation of drones that are not only affordable, but very easy to fly. Now you can have your own personal drone, anything from a micro mini that'll fit in the palm of your hand, right up to a full-scale model, 10 inches in diameter like the model I have, the V949 Pro comes with a 6-axis, 4-rotor blade and an HD 2.4 camera mounted on the bottom. These drones are made of a space-age polymer. They're durable. And don't worry about crashing your drone. Replacement blades for this drone from the website are only $1.80 for a pack of four. That's right, I said $1.80 for a pack of four replacement blades. You can also get an extra long-life battery. 
This battery allows you up to a half hour of fly time with a maximum speed of 40 miles an hour. Have your own personal drone and you can get all of this for under $70. If you go to the website wdeansook.com and click on the banner on the webpage, you can get from 7 to 22% off your personal drone. It's shipped as a kit. You can be up and flying your own personal drone with an HD camera within a half hour. Come to the webpage wdeansook.com. Click on that banner and get your discount today. wdeansook.com. GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web, from domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. We've earned our place as the world's number one accredited domain registrar by delivering world-class products at competitive prices and support them with industry-best services delivered 24-7, 365. We're proud to serve our customers from locations around the world. Sign up now at WDShook.com and get your domain name as low as $5.99 a year. Sign up now at WDShook.com. Go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. There is a sense in the world. There's a sense among believers. There's a sense among unbelievers. There's a sense among all peoples that things are unhinged. The Middle East is unhinged with uprisings, revolutions, and where is it heading? How are followers of Jesus to relate to all of these things? How do they relate to biblical prophecy? America is in spiritual, moral crisis. Values are changing, and so rapidly. I mean, that have not happened in the history of man. How are level-headed, responsible Christians to relate to the testimony of the biblical prophets and the unfolding of chaos throughout the world? Not just believers are wondering, is this a sign of the end? Do you think the media is biased? Maybe they're leaving something out, or there's something they're not telling you. Now, you have a source for the truth in the news. W. Dean Shook, End Time News. Your connection to the signs of the times. Thank you for allowing me that short break. Breitbart News is reporting the secret immigration chapter in Obama's trade agreement discovered inside this huge trench of secretive Obama trade documents released by WikiLeaks are key details on how technically any Republican voting for Trade Promotion Authority, the TPA, that would fast-track trade deals like the Trans-Pacific Partnership would technically also be voting to massively expand President Obama's executive authority when it comes to immigration matters. The President's Trade in Service Act, TISA, Trade in Service Act documents, which is one of the three different close to completely negotiated deals that would fast track unilaterally current U.S. immigration law. 
The TISA, just like the TPP or the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, the TTIP, are international trade agreements that President Obama is trying to force through final approval. The way he can do this is by getting Congress to give him fast-track authority through the TPA. Now, the TISA is even more secretive than the TPP. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill can review the text of the TPP in secret, secured rooms inside the Capitol, and in some cases can bring staffers who have high enough security clearances. But with TISA, no such draft text is available. Voting for TPA, of course, would essentially ensure the final passage of each. The TPP, the TTIP, the TISA by Congress, since in the history of Fast Track, any deal that's ever started on Fast Track has been approved. Roughly 10 pages of this TISA agreement document are specifically about immigration. The existence of these 10 pages on immigration in the Trade and Service Agreement make it absolutely clear in anyone's mind the administration is negotiating immigration. And for them to say they're not, they have a lot of explaining to do based on the actual text in the agreement. Rosemary Jenks, the Director of Government Relations at Numbers USA, told Breitbart News following her interview with these documents that Obama will be able to finalize all three of the Obama trade deals without any congressional input. If Congress grants him fast-track authority by passing TPA, fast-track lowers the vote threshold in the Senate and blocks Congress from amending any trade deals. And also, since each of these three deals are pretty much entirely negotiated already, it wouldn't lead to any more congressional involvement or transparency with any of these. In 2003, the Senate passed a resolution that said no immigration provision should be in trade agreements. And in fact, former Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton voted for this resolution. The existence of these 10 pages is a clear violation of these earlier decisions and also in violation of the statements made by the U.S. trade representatives. He's told members of Congress very specifically, the U.S. is not negotiating immigration, or at least it's not negotiating any immigration provisions that would require us to change our laws. So, unless major changes are made to the trade and service agreement, that's not true, said Jenks. There are three examples within the 10 pages of areas where the U.S. would have to alter the current immigration law. First, on page 4 and 5 of the agreement, roughly 40 industries are listed with potentially the U.S. visa process would have to change to accommodate the requirements within this agreement. Now, if you want to see the rest of this full and very revealing story, this will be posted on the website after the program at wdeanshook.com. You can get all of the details of this very scary story. But that's not all. Last night, Breitbart London reported the European Parliament plans to vote and debate on this shady transatlantic trade and investment partnership deal with the United States and had thrown into disarray on the back of major public backlash. The planned parliamentary activity today was called into question late last night as a leaked email from the Parliament's president at 10MP reveals sent directly from Martin Schultz and it reads, 
Group leaders representing a majority of the conferences of presidents have informed me that they want the report by George Lang on TTIP to be postponed. At this stage, such a change can be made only on a proposal by the president to amend the agenda in accordance with Rule 152. In order to enable the House to vote on the change suggested, I have agreed to make such a proposal. Therefore, at the opening of the sitting at 8 a.m., the proposal to postpone the report by Mr. Lang will be put to the House. Breitbart London understands that both the conservative groups backed Schultz's move to delay the debate, whereas all three UKIP MEPs opposed it, with others not voting. Half of Labor's MEPs opposed the move, with the other ten not voting. A conservative spokesman for Strasbourg told Breitbart London on the debate, Call us old-fashioned, but we think it's best to know what a report says before we debate it. This report is now back with committee, and we don't know what will come back to plenary. So we voted to have the debate just before the vote, when the issues will be fresh in the MPs' minds as they decide. The voting record shows Troy's MEPs voting against having a debate today can be found at Breitbart London. But speaking earlier, Nigel Farage, MEP and leader of UKIP, said, In my 17 years as an MEP, I've never received so much communication from the public on a proposed piece of legislation. The TTIP has concerned millions of people across the European Union. They've bombarded their MEPs with phone calls, letters, emails, and responses to the EU is now running scared. They've got to wind up, particularly the left, who've been supporting the TTIP from the start and finally have been exposed as backing large-scale global corporationism. The Parliament suspended today not just the vote, but equally the debate on this issue, which I think was cowardly in the extreme. It's interesting to note that for the first time ever, actions in the European Parliament are now being heavily debated in Washington, too. Perhaps we need a redefinition of what a free trade deal really is. So we seem to have a similar problem here in the U.S. Why are congressmen signing a non-disclosure form on Obama's secret deal? These are people we just elected into office to try to stop this, and they're going along with it. Obama Trade, better known as the Trans-Pacific Partnership, is a trade deal that is a partnership between U.S. and Pacific Rim nations. That would allow, uh, we don't know, because no one really knows exactly what's an Obama trade, a.k.a. the TPP. And this trade deal is a secret. It's so secret the members of Congress must go to a classified reading room in the Capitol to even read it. Any notes taken on the deal are confiscated or left in the room. Those who have been to this classified room to read it cannot discuss... And it is stated most recently by Representative Jeff Duncan, a Republican from South Carolina, the members of Congress are required to sign a non-disclosure agreement that assures no member who has read it will discuss it. According to former Arkansas governor and political candidate Mike Huckabee, Obama trade is a secret deal that most members of Congress who support it admit they haven't been to the secret room to read this secret deal. Well, this should come as no surprise to many Americans as the majority of Congress has followed the Pelosi mantra that we have to pass it to find out what's in it. 
When it comes to bills, agreements, and deals, and with regard to Obama trade, Breitbart has identified three in Congress who support this deal but who have not read it. That's House Rules Committee Chairman Pete Sessions, Republican from Texas, House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, a Republican from Louisiana, and more than likely House Speaker John Boehner, Republican from Ohio. Potential 2016 presidential candidates who support Obama trade are Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Lindsey Graham, and former Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Cruz had admitted to reading the bill, therefore one can assume he knows what's in it. However, Rubio will neither confirm nor deny whether he's been to the secret room. Instead, he gives the impression that he'll vote for the substantial legislation without reading it while seeking the presidential nomination. Man, unbelievable. Everyone can sit around and debate about Obama trade deal all day long, but no one knows what's in it. If you look at what Obama has had his hand in during the years in the Oval Office, you could almost bet and win big in Las Vegas that the trade deal would be disastrous for the United States. We'll listen to each of the individuals who talk about the secret deal that can only be read in the secret room. Everyone seems to be ignoring the elephant in the room. The elephant is the signing of a non-disclosure statement amounting to a gag order and confiscation of notes or having to leave the notes in the room. Since when did Congress become employees of the president or the corporate federal government that would possibly warrant a non-disclosure statement? Why are members of Congress willingly forfeiting their rights to inform the constituents about agreements involving the U.S.? The House would have to fund with taxpayer dollars and the Senate would have to approve. Where in the Constitution does it say the legislative branch is subservient to the executive branch? The question that should be asked of all of these quote-unquote representatives is why are you signing an agreement that basically gags you? Let me guess, Obama won't let you see it unless you agree to zip your lip. It appears the lights are on, folks, but no one's home. If Obama won't let members of Congress see it unless they give up their right to inform their constituents, while asking for fast-track authority, each and every member of Congress should be replaced. Who is Obama to tell our executive officials what they can and can't do? Is he their employer? What trade deal is so secret that a free people cannot know what their government is strapping on the backs of the people? Let me play you a clip of the history of Obama, and maybe this will help everybody understand a little bit. Listen to this clip, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Bilderberg and the secret 63rd conference set for Australia. The agenda? U.S. elections and artificial intelligence. U.S. elections. Listen to this clip. I'll be right back. Hussein Obama, alias Barry Satoro, born 1961, 
Obama's parents meet in a Russian language class at the University of Hawaii in 1960. They get married February 2, 1961. Barack is born later that year. They separated when Barack was two years old and divorced in 1964. Barack was allegedly born in Hawaii. The delivering doctor, unknown. Birth certificate, unavailable. Mr. Obama will not release a copy of his original birth certificate for the public or authorities to examine. Obama's mother then marries Indonesian student Lolo Satoro, also a Muslim. Satoro is recalled to Indonesian by Shirato in 1967. Mother and son follow Lolo to Indonesia soon after. Barack is then adopted by Lolo. Obama is renamed Barry Satoro, and at age six, He's enrolled in the first grade in Indonesia, a country where only natural-born citizens are allowed to attend their public schools. According to his records, he's a citizen of Indonesia. His faith is Islam. There's no record that Barry Satoro ever officially changed his name back to Barack Obama, so he may now be operating under a false identity. There's no record that Barry Satoro ever officially changed his citizenship back to American, so he may currently remain an Indonesian citizen. In 1971, at age 10, Barry Satoro is sent by his mother to live with his maternal grandparents in Hawaii. Barry's grandparents are communists. They specifically enrolled their daughter in the Mercer Island High School near Seattle when the chairman of the school board there testified to being a communist. While growing up in Hawaii, he meets Frank Marshall Davis, a journalist, poet, self-envowed communist, labor union activist, and friend of his grandparents. Davis has been under investigation by the FBI and Congress. He becomes Obama's mentor. Obama admits to attending socialist conferences and coming into contact with Marxist literature. Karl Marx advocated the redistribution of wealth and endorsed the organization known as Socialists International. Communism was based on the writings of Marx. Barry maintained his relationship with Frank Marshall Davis through grade 12. He leaves Hawaii where he allegedly attends Occidental College in Los Angeles. Only the accounts of friends prove that he was there. He's never released any transcripts, writings, or records of his time at Occidental. It's been alleged that while at Occidental, he used the name Barry Satoro and was registered as a student from Indonesia. California Assembly records suggest that he received a state grant as a foreign exchange student from Indonesia. In his book, Dreams from My Father, Obama said this of his days at Occidental. I choose my friends carefully. The more politically active black students, the Marxist professors, and structural feminists. Barry's friends at Occidental include three Pakistanis named Wali Hamid, Shahail Saqui, and Mohammed Hassan Chando. Obama and Hamid traveled to Pakistan in 1980. The purpose of their trip remains unknown. Mohammed Hussein Jando later becomes a bundler for Obama, raising as much as $100,000. After two years, Barry leaves Occidental. 
He allegedly attends Columbia University in New York City. Only the accounts of his friends and professors prove that he was there. He's never released any transcripts, writings, or records of his time at Columbia. He allegedly attends Harvard University, graduates, and becomes president of the Harvard Law Review. He has never released any transcripts, writings, or records of his time at Harvard. He goes to Chicago, becomes an attorney, begins work as a community organizer. When he is sworn in as an Illinois attorney, he's asked under oath if he had ever used any other names. He responds, none. By doing so, he defrauds the State Bar of Illinois and perjures himself. He reads Rules for Radicals, written by Sololinsky, and embraces the concepts wholeheartedly. Mike Kruglick had this to say about Obama's mastery of Alinsky's methods. He said he was a natural, the undisputed master of agitation who could engage a room full of recruiting targets. He meets with Bill Ayers, an unrepentant terrorist and co-founder of the Weather Underground in the 1960s. This group claimed responsibility for a dozen bombings. From 1995 to 1999, Obama is chairman of the Chicago Annenberg Challenge, a project designed to reform Chicago public schools. Bill Ayer writes the initial grant application. A grant is issued for $49.2 million. Matching donors increase that amount even more. The funds are spent, but not well accounted for, and increasingly, public schools do not improve. He starts his political career in the home of Bill Ayers, who says he didn't go far enough in the 1960s. He joins the new party formed by the Democratic Socialists of America. Radical activist Noam Chomsky was also a member of this new party. The Democratic Socialist of America. It's a self-described as the largest socialist organization in the United States and the principal U.S. affiliate of the Socialists International. The new party works alongside a group known as ACORN. As an organizer, Obama trains ACORN employees, and as a lawyer, Obama represents ACORN in a lawsuit. ACORN has come under investigation in at least 14 states for voter registration fraud, he then meets the renowned Jeremiah Wright, a former Muslim turned Christian. Wright's sermons are fiery, anti-American, anti-white diatribes. In Jeremiah Wright's most famous sermon, he says, God bless America? No, 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 God damn America. Obama calls Wright his friend and mentor. Obama's law firm represents a developer. He strikes a deal between his client and Lebanese businessman Tony Rizeko to build low-income housing. Rizeko is known as a slum landlord. His housing projects are not well-maintained. Rizeko becomes an early Obama contributor. Obama buys a house with Rizeko's help, even while Rizeko is under investigation in a corruption scandal. Rizeko is found guilty on 16 of the 24 charges, Obama attends annual banquets of the Arab American Action Network. He supports the Palestinians. He confers with PLO advisor Edward Said at the 2003 annual banquet of the AAAN. He makes a toast to the Chicago professor and former PLO spokesman Rashid Khalidi. 
He describes Israel's actions as genocide against the Palestinian people. Whether underground founder Bill Ayers and Bernadine Doran are also there. In his bid for the presidency, Obama gets millions of dollars in illegal campaign contributions from foreign sources. 33,000 came from the Rafah refugee camp in Gaza. Phone banks are set up in Gaza to solicit donations. At least $500,000 is received from foreign sources who are not identified and report being not employed. Obama is also funded by George Soros, a billionaire and international socialist. Soros writes a book calling for an international government. He also receives heavy support from the unions. He confers regularly with the SEIU president, Andy Stern. Stern has said, Workers of the world unite. It's not just a slogan anymore. As a United States Senator, Barack Obama was rated one of the most liberal. In 2007, he was rated the most liberal. As President of the United States, Barack Obama's actions have threatened the U.S. Constitution, weakened Americans' defenses, encouraged our enemies, irritated our closest allies, moved us closer to socialism, He's increased our budget deficit, increased our national debt, and weakened our economy. All of the time trivializing the war on terror, and he has failed to meet his promises. If you don't think it gets worse, think again. Neil Sansky, Susan Daniels combined through dozens of public databases and now alleged that Obama used multiple social security numbers during his lifetime. None of these social security numbers that Obama has used were issued by the state of Hawaii. One of the social security numbers that he's used was issued in the state of Connecticut in 1976 to a person born in 1890. If nothing else, this constitutes social security fraud and identity theft. This is our commander-in-chief. How far should we trust him? Does he have our best interests at heart? Now, I'm going to give a warning, not only to the American people, but anyone else who's part of this trade agreement. We don't trust this president as far as we can throw the White House. And I would recommend to every country who involved in this, in the sound of my voice, do not sign this. Why is it so secret? Why are they keeping it from us? Don't be stupid. Don't allow your government to sign this. All right, let's move on to Australia. A different subject. We'll get off of this before I get too fired up. According to Breitbart, Australia says that ISIS has radioactive material it could use to develop a WMD. The Islamic State, ISIS, has gained access to radioactive material from hospital and research centers in territories that it seized in Iraq and Syria. Prompting fears it could develop a large, dirty bomb, Australia's Foreign Minister Julie Bishop told the Australian, The last Friday, Bishop warned the ISIS is recruiting highly trained professionals to develop chemical weapons. Here's a clip of that report. 
Australia's Foreign Minister Julie Bishop warned Islamic State militants have used chlorine as a weapon and are recruiting highly trained technicians in a serious bid to develop chemical weapons. In a speech to an international forum of nations that works to fight the spread of such weapons, Bishop said the rise of militant groups such as ISIS posed one of the gravest security threats we face today. The comments follow allegations by Iraqi Kurdish authorities that they have evidence that ISIS used chlorine gas against their Peshmerga fighters in northern Iraq in January. Now, in light of this, NATO expressed concern ISIS collecting radioactive material from centers that would normally only be available to governments. The insurgents did not just clean out the cash from the local banks. She said the threat is severe enough to have gained the attention of the Australian group which held a session on the subject on its summit last week. This is really worrying them, Bishop told the Australian. In the latest edition of its propaganda magazine, Dabiq, ISIS expressed interest in building a weapon of mass destruction. The Independent is reporting that Indian defense ministers have previously warned of the possibility the militants could acquire a nuclear weapon from Pakistan. These growing concerns about ISIS developing a WMD come as terrorism experts in the Institute for the Study of War, a U.S. think tank, warned that ISIS is likely planning major attacks in Syria and Iraq to mark the start of the Muslim period known as Ramadan and the one-year anniversary of its declaration of its self-proclaimed caliphate. And I'd like to share a story with you out of London. There's a group that says we need to wipe out humanity to save the earth. Here we go again. They say human beings urgently need to wipe themselves out to avoid ecological catastrophe. The leader of the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement has claimed in an interview with Big Issue magazine, Les Knight said that the extinction of humanity would be a good thing for the planet, that humans need to reduce their numbers before they run out of resources. Mr. Knight who in his day job is a substitute teacher in Portland, Oregon, said that his main motivation to wanting to see the extinction of his own species was preservation of Earth's biosphere. Diversity is the strength of the biosphere, and fewer species there are, the weaker it becomes. He said, we're pulling strands from the web of life at the same time, putting more pressure on it due to our increased consumption. He added, that the increased human population was making it harder to feed the poor around the world. People are not doing too well. Two billion people don't have potable water. Almost a billion are experiencing food insecurity. We used to call it hunger. It's not a pretty word for half of the people on the planet, and it won't be easy to improve their lot as long as resources are gobbled up by the increased numbers. One solution, Knight said would be for the West to introduce a one-child policy, banning couples from having two or more children, as China does. Although, even this may not be enough. One is twice as good as two as far as procreation goes, but our population momentum would take a while to start decreasing. In terms of energy consumption, when a North American couple stops at two, it's about the same as an average Indian couple stopping at 30, or a Bangladeshi couple stopping at 97. Really? At least China has done a lot to control their increase. There would be 400 million more of them today if they hadn't instituted their policy. 
Well, Knight followed his own logic at the age of 25 when he underwent a vasectomy. He claims he never regretted it for a moment, and I only wish I'd done it earlier. It's dangerous having those wigglers, he said. If humanity does not voluntarily wipe itself out, Knight warned, it'll face involuntary extinction, either through ecological catastrophe or nuclear Armageddon. The end of humanity would be good for humanity. That seems contradictory, but as we phase ourselves out, the lives of those left behind would steadily improve, and those of us who don't exist won't know the difference. Well, and here's what I say. If his commitment is real, if he really believes this is the solution, that he should take the bull by the horns. He should lead the way, like any good leader does, and be the first to exterminate himself. Break ground on this movement. So, Mr. Knight, show us how it's done. Unless, of course, you mean everyone else should be exterminated, but not you. Either be the first or be a hypocrite. That's only reasonable, Mr. Knight. Let's see what you're made of. Thank you for joining me. All of these stories will be available on the website after the program. And don't forget you can download the End Time News mobile app for your iPhone or your Android at Google Play or the App Store. Or come to the website at wdeanshook.com and you'll find a link for both iPhone and Android for the mobile app and never miss another episode of End Time News. I'll see you on our next episode. And as usual, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, I'll be back with more truth in the news. Thank you. You can get these full stories and more at WDeanshook.com. That's WDeanshook.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.